Hey sinners, Serotonin here, just dropping in with a quick intro. This podcast was originally written and recorded for Spotify, where I'm able to embed some ripper tunes between segments to support the topics, new releases, or particular artists which are discussed. This version has been adjusted to allow sharing on alternate platforms and unfortunately won't include those tracks, which might make my silly segues and transitions just a little bit strange. If you would like to be able to check out the songs that were intended to be part of this episode, jump through the Sin and Steel link tree to the songs from the Sin and Steel podcast playlist, or see the track listing in the description of the episode. Hello and welcome to Sin and Steel, the heavy metal podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Tonin, and in today's episode, we're celebrating Halloween by looking at the connections between heavy metal and horror, including my first ever interview with the wonderful Corey Cowley. We have a ripper track listing for this episode with songs from Death, Halloween, Ozzy Osbourne, Rob Zombie, Cradle of Filth, Torso Fuck, and more. Before we get into it, I wanted to share a bit of an update on the podcast and just a few changes. We're in month six of Sin and Steel, and although I might be sacrificing my consistency a little bit in changing up or trying new things, I think it's important that I keep reassessing what I want from the podcast and how to make it work on my schedule. As you'll all know, this podcast is not monetized, that's why there's no ads, and I have no plans on doing so. It's purely a hobby, something I'm doing just for fun. My aim has been to create a space where we talk about all things heavy metal without worrying about the technical aspects and without any gatekeeping, while also being able to listen to some great tunes. It's a place for fans and a motivator for me to boost my knowledge on the subject and for me to give something back to the community. I do work full time and I volunteer as a dungeon master running Dungeons and Dragons games at a local high school every week. I of course enjoy going to gigs and events taking some time to play video games and have numerous arts projects on the go as well as projects around my home, all while unfortunately dealing with a chronic illness. So I'm good at taking on a lot. I just need to make sure I manage that balance to to keep this thing going. I put a lot of effort into researching and writing my podcast episodes, which I hope is evident to my listeners. And so I found that trying to put out three episodes a month is just a little bit too much especially where I want or need time to kind of ponder the topics before writing. Although the stats show that the Artist Spotlight episodes get the least amount of listens, I really enjoy making all three episode formats that I've been doing so far. So my compromise at this stage is going to be to keep the main episodes for release in the first half of the month and then have a bonus episode in the second half that alternates between trivia and Artist Spotlights or maybe even jumps into something else. I'm not going to give them release dates, just first and second halves of the month. I'm also thinking about other options like writing and recording a longer episode, maybe including the bonus segments and then breaking this up into smaller sections, maybe with some more music, just for more frequent or even weekly release, because we know the algorithm loves more regular posting, Um, or even mini episodes based around kind of one song. But I would need to get ahead of this a little if I took this route, so we'll see what happens. I would love to hear from my listeners. What do you like about the podcast so far? And what don't you like? But, you know, be gentle, please. (laughs) Do you care when they're released or if they're released at all? Um, I've also been editing separate episodes for the RSS feed that has no music attached, as that's something I can only do in Spotify. This kind of goes against the idea of wanting to listen to tunes during the podcast, and it costs money to maintain the RSS feed. But I did that based on feedback from some people who wanted to listen to the podcast, but don't want to use or support Spotify. I don't really know that the numbers I'm getting on the RSS are correct, so help me out. If you listen to this podcast anywhere other than Spotify, I want you to reach out and let me know. Comment on a social media post, message me through Facebook or Instagram, or email me at sinandsteel at outlook.com. If I don't get any messages or comments over the next month or so, I'm probably going to just scrap the RSS and go back to being Spotify exclusive. Anyway, that's the update. Please share your feedback and just bear with me if I change things around a little bit and if there's some inconsistencies. It's all for the sake of creative freedom and balance. So why horror and heavy metal? Because both are better in the dark. 
That was Dio with Better in the Dark. Really though, horror with its ever-present themes in heavy metal and vice versa, they seem to be a match made in heaven. Or hell. Whether lyrically, through imagery, performance or more, in our music we see everything from the strange and spooky to the gruesome and mind-alteringly horrific. It just depends where you look. Horror itself, in terms of literature or film, has always been a way of exploring the darkest depths of our minds and imaginations, exploiting people's fears, whether rational or not, and allowing people to face them in an entertaining way. People who like horror are drawn to it for different reasons, with some people genuinely wanting to be scared because the reaction produces endorphins and adrenaline, while others enjoy a good laugh and might find most horror content hilarious. There's a reason there's so much cheesy horror that exists. There might be a morbid curiosity that wants to see the most gruesome or more realistic stuff you can and see how far you can push it without completely traumatizing yourself. Or you might just appreciate the imaginative storytelling, the psychological aspects, or the darker visuals that tend to come with the genre. Whatever the reason, so many people love horror, even if there are others who don't. So we know and have discussed before that headbangers are often the misfits. We tend to be drawn into the dark, the strange and the macabre, even if for so many of us that darkness is very well accentuated by rainbows, sunshine and unicorns, we might be drawn into the things that go against the grain, the things that make the normies cringe. What's that saying? If in doubt, freak them out? I think that that's something that we will have all related to at some stage or another. So it seems pretty natural for heavy metal and horror to go hand in hand. If we go back to the beginning, of heavy metal that is, we have Black Sabbath. I of course never want to undermine all the bands that came before them and heavily influenced the trajectory. But Black Sabbath are our kings, they're our fathers, and they were named for the horror movie of the same name. The band had a range of names originally, but prior to Black Sabbath they were called Earth, and they kept getting mistaken for a psychedelic pop band of the same name. So they needed something better. Coincidentally, there was a cinema opposite the house where they rehearsed, and it was showing the 1963 horror film Black Sabbath. Geezer thought it was strange that people would spend so much money to see scary movies, but he took that to inspire the song titled Black Sabbath, which then used the tritone, bringing in that dark and ominous sound that we love so much, and then using the name for the band as well. The lyrics to the song were inspired by a demonic visitation that Giza received one night where he woke to a dark figure standing over and staring at him. Sleep paralysis, maybe? What is this that stands before me? Figure in black that points at me. It certainly evokes a haunting image and kind of birthed this link between heavy metal and horror right from the beginning. While the music wasn't quite as dark, bringing the theatrics was Alice Cooper and the Alice Cooper group who saturated their performances with horror, with shows featuring the use of guillotines, electric chairs and live snakes, with an act in which Alice would be decapitated night after night. In 1975, Alice played the character Stephen for the TV special, Alice Cooper, The Nightmare, showcasing his first solo album, Welcome to My Nightmare, and exploring a horror story in which the character is trapped in a nightmare, trying to escape a nightmare spirit, played by Vincent Price, who of course was incredibly well established in the horror genre. The special won an Emmy for Outstanding Achievement in Videotape Editing for a Special, and was later supported by an over-the-top stage show and film release. Other artists who were known for their visuals early on were of course bands like Kiss, the makeup, Gene spitting blood on stage and breathing fire, while watered down and probably considered tame for most of us, were still a branch into horror, and enough to have parents undies in a bunch. You know, they were making up stories like Kiss standing for Knights in Satan's service. I'd love to know how some of those parents have fared, because if they thought that was going to be the peak of evil in music, boy were they in for a shock. We have plenty of bands who actually like to play with the satanic imagery, but the first to come to mind, or at least for me, would be Merciful Fate and King Diamond. There are plenty of darker lyrics and stories in their music, as well as playing on some vulgarity, which we love. And we have the corpse paint, inverted crosses, his human skull named Melissa, who was unfortunately stolen from a show many years ago in the Netherlands, and that awesome microphone stand made of a femur and tibia bone formed into the shape of a cross. King Diamond wasn't, or isn't, just for show though. While there are aspects that are designed for the act, 
for us, he is a practicing Satanist and was actually bringing these things to us that were part of his life. Malcolm Dome at Louder and Metalhammer went to stay with King Diamond in the 80s to get some info and write up some articles for Merciful Fate's first ever UK gig. And he said that there were no light bulbs in the place, everything was only very dimly lit by candles. And that was because uh, King felt that electrical lighting drives away the spirits and he wanted to make sure they stayed close to him. He had a full setup of a satanic altar, which is where Melissa lived at the time, and lots of dark art around the place, including a drawing of a nun fucking herself with a crucifix, which King was particularly proud of. I might as well use this as an excuse to plug one of my favourite artists, Chris Lopez from Chile, or Curb Crawler Ghost, Curb with a K. He does absolutely incredible dark erotica. Their page is in the recommended creators section of my link tree if you want to go take a look, but consider this your warning. By erotica, I'm not just talking some nudity and a few boobs. If you don't want to see anything more than that, don't look. Anyway, so King Diamond, I think he's a particularly good example because it's not all about show. And with horror, while there's fantasy, the imaginary and fictional aspects throughout it, for truly scary horror, there are always aspects that are based in reality or exploring real-life horrors. Because what happens in real life is fucking terrifying. On the Merciful Fate EP, there was a track titled Nuns Have No Fun, and the cover showed a semi-naked nun being crucified. There was a Danish priest who called for the record to be banned, and there was a debate to follow. King Diamond said that the priest absolutely hated them. He thought they were disgusting and that they were corrupting the Danish youth. King's response to the priest, though, was, yeah, that cover depicts a nun being burnt at a cross. But that happened for real back during the Inquisition, and it was you guys who burnt non-believers. This is a drawing you're freaking out over, but you did this to real people. The real-life horrors. Outside of that, we know he's inspired so many other musicians and bands, including Metallica in their style of riffing, according to James Hetfield. Kerry King has said that he and Jeff Hanneman were heavily influenced by Merciful Fate when writing the Slayer album Hall Awaits, and of course another band that's had huge influence from Merciful Fate and King Diamond is Cradle of Filth. That was Cradle of Filth with Cthulhu Dawn, which is based around the stories of H.P. Lovecraft, exploring the idea of Cthulhu and his minions rising up from the deepest, darkest parts of the ocean inside the ocean. Okay. In the heaviest, deepest, most brutal part. All right. The Mariana Trench. And destroying humanity. Cradle of Filth are a band who know how to incorporate horror in their music, lyrics, album art, and video clips. They just do it so well all around. And they've even worked with Doug Bradley, the actor who plays Pinhead in the Hellraiser films. The album Midian, which I would say is probably my favorite Filth album, and what the song Cthulhu Dawn is from, was loosely based on Clive Barker's Nightbreed film, which also starred Doug Bradley. They had Doug join them to do the narration for the tracks Death Magic for Adepts, Her Ghost in the Fog, and Tortured Soul Asylum. Doug has said that he's had loads of requests from heavy metal artists over the years, and he always turns them down. He's not much of a metalhead himself, though he said he really loves Ghost, but he was familiar with Danny Filth and really loved his writing, so when he was asked to join Cradle of Filth for this album, it was a job he was really excited to take on. Danny has also played a role in a horror film, Cradle of Fear, a 2001 low-budget film written and directed by Alex Shandon, who also did the music video from The Cradle to Enslave. Reveling in the goth aesthetics, this film sees Danny playing the unnamed character known as The Man, often using slow motion to emphasize the broodiness or the sexy naked or half-naked goth babes while he searches for and murders a bunch of people involved in getting his father put in prison. Apparently even now, the film was and still is one of the most successful underground British films, and Danny has been hinting at making a sequel. I'm all about indulging myself today, so I'm going to double up on the filth with this next one. That was Cradle of Filth with Mr. Crowley, a cover of the Ozzy Osbourne song about the occultist, novelist, magician and founder of the Thelemites, Alistair Crowley. As I mentioned earlier, we get everything from the spooky to the horrific in our metal. On the spooky side of things, we have bands like Ghost. 
And look, these guys get so much shit online for not being metal. And to anyone who thinks they aren't, just fuck off. Fuck off and stop gatekeeping. No one says that they're the most brutal band. No one thinks that they're super heavy, but they are metal. And just because they are a good gateway for non-metal heads into our genre, our favorite genre, it doesn't negate that. So these guys use the spooky church feel in their music, in their imagery, and in their performances to the great delight of their fans. Creepy church with scary priests and shit, that will always be a good trope. Power Wolf play on a similar vibe, but they do so with power metal. You of course have bands like Slipknot who don their masks, or full body costumes for bands like Lordy and Gwar. When Gwar play live shows, they love to shoot coloured water out over fans to represent, you know, blood, piss and pus. I remember seeing them years ago at Soundwave and at their sideshow at Billboard, and I managed to avoid most of it, but my brother came out covered in streaks of like red, yellow and green food dye. I never saw them live when they had the woman in the band, but she'd do things like give birth on stage and then throw the little baby doll into their meat grinder, which is fantastic. I've mentioned in a previous episode about seeing Exhumed this year, and they do similar. They kind of douse their fans in poster paint blood, they throw around prop body parts, and it's really just a lot of fun. Some bands like to go for more real props, like Mayhem, who at least used to do things like they'd cut themselves on stage, um, or they bring pig heads on and basically make out with them before throwing them into the crowd. They go for the real aspect stuff, you know, things that are a little bit less Halloween. But I guess we know that because one of the many things they're notorious for is releasing their live album, The Dawn of the Black Hearts, with a cover using a photo of their previous frontman dead. Well, dead. Anyone who listens has already heard this, but when Dead had shot and killed himself, Euronymous, the one murdered by Varg Vikernes, took a photo of the scene, and then this photo is what was used on the cover. Speaking of album art, the influence of horror on our metal album covers is something I particularly love. A classic is the censored version of Autopsy, Seven Survival, which shows a point of view of someone on the operating table with these zombie surgeons standing over them and kind of blood splattered everywhere. It plays on a very real fear of anesthesia wearing off mid-surgery and something that happens in real life to people, maybe just, you know, without the zombies. Pretty much any Cannibal Corpse album could be mentioned, but The Wretched Spawn is a particularly good one. It depicts, again, a couple of zombie doctors and a strange winged demonic creature kind of watching over a woman on an operating table who's birthing creatures from all orifices while another bursts out of her chest. As a child-free woman who is horrified by the thought of being pregnant, this type of imagery hits a really good gross spot in the brain. And just to clarify, no issues with others being pregnant, you do you, but me? No, the thought makes my skin crawl, which just makes this album cover just hit. The Pungent Stench album, Being Caught Buttering, that's a bloody good one, featuring photography work by Joel Peter Whitkin, who does a lot of work with corpses. The photo shows a real corpse from the shoulders up that's been dissected down the middle and positioned in profile to appear as two separate faces kissing one another. As you may know from my last episode, this album was banned in Australia and eventually released for us with an alternative cover. American serial killer John Wayne Gacy did a lot of painting of clowns, one in particular titled Skull Clown, featuring his own clown persona Pogo, was used as the album artwork for one of my all-time favourite bands, Acid Bath, on When the Kite String Pops. The image itself isn't that scary, it's a little bit of a creepy clown, but there's that morbid aspect of it being artwork by a real-life murderer that makes it stand out just that little bit more. And another favourite band of mine, Death, have awesome album covers like the one for Leprosy, featuring a cloaked man whose body is in decay and arms are covered in gross pustules. While their album Scream Bloody Gore is pretty typical of death metal, showing robed skeletons toasting to their zombie overlord sitting on a stone throne. Did I mention Death mostly just to bring them into our track listing for today? Fuck yeah, I did. That was Death with Zombie Ritual. Something that's always a lot of fun is a proper crossover, which in this case is a heavy metal-themed horror movie, of which there are shitloads. Not saying they're all good, but we sure have a lot of them, and there's a lot I've got to add to my watch list. 
top of the list, one of the most notable would have to be Trick or Treat. Released in 1986 with a soundtrack by Fastway, band of guitarist Fast Eddie Clark, this movie follows a teenager, Eddie, they're always named Eddie, who is obsessed with rock star Sammy Kerr, who is a previous student of his own school. Sammy dies in a fire and Eddie is distraught. You know, he's crying and rolling around on the bed, kind of like me when Dio died, while also dealing with being bullied by the jocks at his school. He goes to visit his radio DJ mate, who is played by Gene Simmons, who gives him a copy of an unreleased final album, which he takes home and plays backwards. You know, just to fuel the fire of all the fucked up mums against metal or whatever. He plays it backwards and the spirit of Sammy talks to him through it, wanting to take care of the bullies. Somehow this spirit can travel through the electricity and he comes back to life. We get to see some boobs, which I wasn't really expecting of this one, to be honest. And Sammy then plays the high school Halloween dance, which I found particularly funny because like everyone's going mad for it, headbanging in front of the stage. But prior to this, you know, they've all been bullying their one and only metalhead. Fucking hypocrites. <laughs> so Sammy's shooting lightning out of the guitar and just disintegrating people, turning them into dust. And the kids try to stop him from killing everyone. It is dumb as shit, but it is really, really fun. You just can't take it too seriously. On top of the Gene Simmons appearance, Ozzy Osbourne plays a small role when the TV switches to a talk show segment and he, a priest or pastor, something like that, is ranting and raving about how diabolical metal music is and, you know, that it's corrupting our children. It's probably the most coherent I think I've ever seen Ozzy, but it's fantastic. There really is a reason this movie is such a classic and the music helps. It's great. I'm not going to go into detail on all the films or we'll be here forever and this certainly isn't a complete list but just to give you a bit of an idea of some of the crossovers, some heavy metal horror films we have, we've got Hard Rock Zombies about a glam rock band raised from the dead, Death Metal Zombies about a possessed death metal tape with a song called Zombified that turns all its listeners into the walking dead, Monster Dog which features Alice Cooper, Terror on Tour, Heavy Metal Massacre, Heavy Mental, Rocktober Blood, Suck, which features cameos from Alice Cooper, Alex Lifeson of Rush, Henry Rollins and Iggy Pop. There's Shock'em Dead, where a guitarist sells his soul for fame and fortune, having to feed off the souls of others. Deathgasm, Dark Floors, which is basically a full-length version of a Lordy clip. Zombie Nightmare, that features Mikkel Thor of the band Thor. The musical Phantom of the Paradise, Ghoul School, Hard Rock Nightmare, Slaughterhouse Rock, Lone Wolf, Black Roses, Pledge Night in which Joey Belladonna of Anthrax gets drowned in a pool of acid, The Gate, Scream Dream, The Devil's Candy, Death to Metal, and of course Studio 666 by the Foo Fighters, which has clearly taken from a number of the previous mentioned films. And those are really just movies that have actual heavy metal themes. Music is a whole other thing. We have, of course, Motorhead Hellraiser, used in Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, and the Ozzy Osbourne version. Megadeth, No More Mr. Nice Guy, which was used in Shocker. Typo Negative, Summer Breeze, in I Know What You Did Last Summer. And the super fun track, Dream Warriors by Dokken, which was made for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. That was Dokken with Dream Warriors. I think that mostly heavy metal tends to be used in horror films as a bit of a filler or a booster, and not so much in the score. It can work really well like that, having characters listening to the music to set up the scene and work in with the setting, you know, what year is it, what's going on. Playing something upbeat or fun to contrast some horrific scenes or complement a more action-packed scene. But I think if we used it really well in a score, Kind of like the Mick Gordon Doom soundtrack that I discussed in the games episode, it could really drive the emotions of the people watching. There could be some stuff out there like that, but there's none that come to mind for me at this point. If you know any movies that do that though, please share them with me. There are a couple of heavy metal artists that are particularly prevalent in the horror scene, including Kirk Hammett, whose collection of classic horror artwork is immense to say the least. 
Over the years, he's shared his collection with others through art exhibitions hosted around the world. These showed a range of vintage posters, movie memorabilia, and some of his custom guitars, while playing some instrumental tracks that Kirk recorded specifically for the exhibition. He loves horror expos too. He's sat in as a moderator at ones like Midsummer Scream, and he's even run his own horror metal expo called Kirk Von Hammett's Fear Festival, supporting the horror side of things with live music, murder mystery parties, and talks with metal musicians. And the other, of course, is Rob Zombie. I couldn't do a horror episode and not mention Rob Zombie. So starting off in White Zombie, which, like Black Sabbath, was named after a horror film before he eventually went solo, there's always been horror themes within his music, his stage shows, and his video clips, many of which he directed. When we hit the 2000s, he decided to take those skills and the passion for horror, and for his wife, into full-length films with House of a Thousand Corpses. He really made his mark with this one, bringing the focus away from the friends that you originally think are the heroic protagonists and making the focus all about the world of the evil Firefly family. It creates a very disquieting and anxiety-inducing atmosphere. He continued their story in The Devil's Rejects, where any supernatural themes were kind of removed, and it instead focused on the raw nature of these characters and their kind of murderous rampages, working them in as these fucked up anti-heroes trying to get you on their side. While their story should have ended there, he did end up continuing this in Three From Hell, though reportedly, I haven't seen this one, it repeats the plot of the last one pretty closely. He managed to get himself involved in a reimagined version of Halloween, with a follow-up in Halloween 2, where Mike Myers is a little bit less mysterious and supernatural and more human with kind of typical murderer backstories of bullying and abuse. Which, while not true to the original lore, as we discussed before, sometimes those real aspects can make things much scarier. He does have a few other films as well that I haven't seen as yet, including 31, Lords of Salem, and the more recent The Monsters, based on the old TV show, which he was always a fan of that show. His biggest solo hit, Dragula, was based on a drag racer from the show. So before we jump into today's interview, let's take a quick break with Rob Zombie, Living Dead Girl. That was Rob Zombie with Living Dead Girl. Although I've been unsure about doing interviews, when it came to an episode about heavy metal and horror, it would have been blasphemous for me to not at least ask this next guest to join me for an interview, given their work in both worlds. A woman of many talents, she is a writer, performer, actress, special effects artist, producer, director, and with an ever-growing list of projects, she takes on more roles and titles each day. She's someone who fearlessly and unapologetically explores the brutally gruesome, taking things to the extreme and keeping it as realistic as possible with the use of real blood and bodily fluids, real organs and all. We have Lady Death herself, Corey Cowley. First of all, thank you for allowing me to be the first guest on this entire podcast, this beautiful project. Thank you so much. Like you said, I'm a woman of many talents. I am a uh, native Nashvilleian here in the United States. Um, I do mostly acting special effects. Like you mentioned, I do dark art and just now I've kind of traversed into the realm of uh, doing my own direction to in a lot of the films. So yeah, I'm kind of a, a Jill of all trades, as you'd say. What got you into this field of work? Uh, well, I, I my origins were writing. So I started writing when I was in elementary school, which, um, you know, here in the States, it's, it's like kindergarten through fifth grade. And uh, I used to write short stories in uh, elementary school that were about random things. Like I remember I wrote a story about a guy that had a rake and he would go around and murder people <laughs> with this rake. So, um, writing, writing <laughs> it's really silly. Writing sort of got me into it. And then after I published my, uh, my second book, I published my first one back in 2020. And then I published my second one in 2021. You know, I, I sort of really wanted to portray what I had written into a visual. So once I started to kind of get these ideas and build these creatures in my head, I decided, okay, well, let's 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 start, you know, working on special effects. And so from special effects, I kind of went into acting. And then, you know, now acting, I went into, I'm producing my first film. And then I'm also uh, directing a segment for uh, Dark Web for Tetra Video. I don't think I'd seen you mention anything about that one yet. Is that um, a new one? 
It is a new one. Uh, I have to kind of keep that under wraps. It is going to be very gruesome. I, I can't really talk about dark web. Do I need to redact yeah. what's already been mentioned or is that okay to let people know it's happening? You can let people know it's happening. Awesome. <laughs> um, so you've done heaps of work in the heavy metal space. For our listeners, mm-hmm. this includes appearances in videos for Order, Awas, mm-hmm. Utter Scorn, Amenorrhea and Denial of Death. Being part of Hellcat Pictures as well, who produced a number of those clips, how much creative freedom did you have in terms of concepts and bringing those to life? Uh, I had pretty much 100% freedom, uh, especially with Hellcat is an amalgamation of me and coincidentally my best friend Nuvis. Um, so we've had 100% free reign to kind of do what we wanted on these just because, you know, her and I, more so her, she's had more uh, experience in photography and, and directing music videos and stuff. I, if anything, I'm more on the uh, the acting and the kind of the, the, the visuals end of it. But uh, we, for every project that we've had, uh, we've, we've pretty much been given, you know, free reign to do whatever we want. We've really had no limitations, no no censorship, and it's been beautiful. We've, we've gotten to do everything you've wanted to do. Well, the outcomes <laughs> were fantastic. Some of those clips are just, they're really cool. They're very raw and just disgusting in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it feels weird to be like, you're disgusting as a compliment, but it is a compliment. <laughs> I, I take it as a compliment. If it wasn't disgusting, it means I wouldn't be doing my job correctly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've also performed live on stage with a few different bands, um, and you yep. were flown over to Norway to perform at Inferno Festival with the band Order. What was that experience yeah. like? To me, that's still my most favorite experience to date. I, I got to meet the original members of the band Mayhem. I, I met Shetil. I, I didn't meet, the only one I didn't meet was uh, Necrobutcher. And of course, I, you know, there's other band members I didn't meet for other reasons, you know, I'm sure <laughs> everyone knows. Uh, but I, I met Shetil and we had dinner over at his house. Uh, and, and it was, it was just a real experience to me because these are the people that I'm sure as you know, and your listeners know, we, we've heard so many tales about Mayhem, the things that kind of you know, circulate around the the band and, you know, going to find out that a lot of the things people say are so not true. And just getting to be around these amazing people and getting to kind of immerse myself in Norwegian culture, it was it was really such a surreal experience because it's so much different. I mean, even even the the music scene there is so much different than here in America because in Norway they just enjoy the music. In the States it's it's a little bit kind of uh cliquish and it's it's like a, a gang of people just kind of you know being gatekeepers and things like that but yeah. um it i don't know what to say I, it, it went so fast <laughs> that i was like oh it's over <laughs> were you able to gauge the audience reaction i mean that might have been hard with all the blood and hair in your face um <laughs> you know it kind of i I, I, yeah, I guess it was a good response. I, I had a lot of people who were, um, you know, you know, doing their horns and stuff, which made me feel good. And then I had a, a couple of the uh, the photographers who were taking pictures in the front. A lot of them, you know, signaled me with their fingers to come closer so they can get some up close shots of me, which you know I was very flattered. Um, but you know, it, it went on. The performance went on to be featured on that YouTube segment, Chills, I think it was. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, and so I guess somehow it had gotten around that I was undead or something, which, I mean, I'm, I'm happy about that, but yeah. <laughs> so I think it went well. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of perfect. You're hanging out with all these guys who, like you said, there's so many stories about them that aren't true. There's their own myths around the band, yeah. um, all those, those members. It's pretty cool that then there's all these myths going out about you as well. It's kind of fitting. Yeah, yeah. And, and the irony is, is that especially uh, Billy... Uh, uh, Billy, the the lead singer of Order, you know, he's he's such a sweetheart. He's like a big teddy bear. And then, um, you know, Stieg, who's the bassist, ended up coincidentally being one of my good friends, and and I, I love him very much. He's he's goofy, he's weird, and that's why I love him. Your artwork and imagery have made a few covers, including Head of the Dead, The Great Conjuration, uh, and the single Diseased by Hexingal. Were these taken by existing work, or did they ask for something tailored to them? 
So these are these these were both taken uh, by existing work. The only difference is is that you know I I kind of gave uh, I gave Heads for the Dead permission to kind of alter the image and uh, you know do how how they saw fit. Um, the Hexingle cover that was me and my editing and they liked it and they said okay we'll use it so yeah <laughs> great it is yeah <laughs> in terms of films uh, your imdb is growing rapidly you've got a few complete and um, quite a lot of almost complete and increasing number in the works please feel free to talk about any and all that you would like but um otherwise be being a heavy metal podcast my main focus was just going to be around um the virginia bitches and all wounds scream at once so i guess for, for uh, so I guess for the video, <laughs> this is why I pre-record. I love it. I'm loving it so much. Oh man, um, why can't I say those words? <laughs> it's early for you. <laughs> we'll start with the the Virginia bitches. We'll start with Virginia bitches. <laughs> uh, did you want to tell us a little bit about that film? Um, what has filming started for it? How did you get involved and um, what interested you about the role? So I got into this movie because uh, the director, Scott Hansen, I worked with him on uh, a Veil of Nath video, which they're they're a huge death metal band. I'm sure your listeners probably know who Veil of Nath is. No, I'm sorry. No, Veil of Nath. Sorry, I keep saying Nath, but it's no. Anyways, long story short, um, you know, Scott and I, did the video for that and, and he liked it so much that you know he said to me hey listen i have a movie coming out uh it's going to be centered around this this group of you know girls in a band and there's going to be some like huge names and music in it and there's going to be some like really big name actors and he's like i'd really like for you to to have a role in it and i said okay yeah you know i'm down 100 percent." and so you know once once i kind of started you know, reading more about the story of Virginia Bitches and, and kind of seeing the names that were attached to it, like Randall Blythe from Lamb of God, um, Heidi Butcher from Butcher Babies, um, uh, Christian Machado, you know, all these these huge names in, in metal and music. And, and then, you know, here I am, Small Potatoes, you know, amongst all these people. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And so, um, you know, my character is going to be Queenie. She's gross, she's vile, she's disgusting. And, you know, Scott has even said to me, you're the only person I know who'd be comfortable with playing something disgusting. And I said, absolutely. So they just started filming. Uh, it's It's been pushed back so so much because, you know, there's been a lot of conflict with, um, you know, the actors and actresses and stuff. Because some live in Europe, some here, live here in the States. And so uh, they've just started filming and I am not due to go down to Atlanta until November. So um, it's, it's going to be filming September through November and then post prod, I think is going to be the beginning of next year. And then I think after that, it's just really ultimately, you know, looking for distribution and then, you know, all that jazz. <laughs> awesome. That'll be really cool. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Is it the, all the girls are vampires as well? Was that right? Yes. Yeah. And one of my, one of my really good friends, Chelsea Lesage is uh, in it. She auditioned, she got the role for it and I'm so excited for her. I'm excited to finally meet her. She's been an internet friend of mine forever. Yep. That's awesome. Um, I was going to say, it sounds, I could be way off, but it does sound like it might be a little bit more cheesy than some of your other films. Yeah, it's definitely going to be more of one of the lighthearted films. Uh, if you saw Scott's first film, Bad Candy, uh, Bad Candy had Corey Taylor from Slipknot. So it's like, you know, because... Scott is a huge, you know, he's a metalhead. He's big into music and stuff. Maybe not as extreme as I am, but a lot of his films are based around, you know, metal musicians and things. And so the Bad Candy universe, as he calls it, is definitely more like whimsical, lighthearted. You know, there's some gratuitous gore scenes and stuff, but I love it. I, I'm obsessed with it. So <laughs> a little bit of cheese and just some tongue in cheek is great in horror. Yeah. Um, a hundo. <laughs> <laughs> but then if you jump over to All Wounds Scream It Once, how gory are we going to expect this one to be? Is it is it going to make headlines for like traumatizing people? <laughs> it will. Um, it's, it definitely is going to traumatize a lot of people. And this is kind of, this was the intent of this one. So where you have Virginia Bitches, which is more kind of like on your 
um, more lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek, and um, just your kind of mainstream heavy metal, you've got all one scream at once, which is more like your grindhouse, your your underground horror, like what I did with Mikel Belarity for Trypophobic Possession. And then for the soundtrack, for this one, you've got way heavier acts like Torso Fuck, um, Deflowered, you've got uh, Veil of Nope is actually going to be on this one. It's a lot of just really brutal imagery and I'm not sure how your viewers would feel about me saying this, but you know, like I, in, in my artwork and stuff, I do use my own blood and no, I'm not self-harming. It's menstrual blood. I do use my own blood. Um, I am known for, you know, the whole kidneys and organs and eating it and stuff. And so a lot of it's going to feature some really realistic portrayals of, you know, torture and rape and things. And so it's going to be really extreme. Quite the juxtaposition of the two then. Yeah. It's <laughs> n- night and day. <laughs> Um, how did you get involved in that one in particular? So the director of that one, David Williams, uh, I met him on Facebook, actually. And um, on, through my business page, we we met, he's a, he's a film director in Buffalo, New York. And he had emailed me last year and, you know, was like, listen, I'm, I'm looking to do a movie here in Buffalo. It's going to be an experimental film. You know, I'll, Noel, Noel is the name of the movie, N-U-L-L with brackets around it. And so Noel is actually very much experimental it's all it was all filmed on uh snorri cams point of view cameras and stuff um that one has been pushed on the back burner a little bit though just because we're trying to focus on all wound screen at once and so uh after we completed null david reached out to me and he said hey would you be interested in doing a second film you know we're on a hot streak and i said absolutely so um, I, I, I made a joke with him and I said, you know, I feel like you and I are the Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman of horror. <laughs> That's fantastic. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice has gone croaky. Good comparison, though. Um, yeah. Exactly. You did mention the soundtrack of All Wounds Scream at once. So you've done a lot of work trying to uh, make sure that you've got extreme metal from all around the world to complement the extreme nature of the film. Um, how did yeah. you go about selecting the tracks that have made it to the soundtrack? Um, you know, I know a lot of the bands. Uh, I've listened to a lot of the bands. I, I know a, a few of the band members just from mutuals and from you know meeting them in person and things like that. And so um, I think the biggest challenge for me was uh, I really wanted to get Torso Fuck on this. And if your viewers aren't familiar with Torso Fuck, they are a Finnish gore grind death metal band. And their samples are out of this world insane. And their sound is just so fucking heavy and aggressive and so they're finished and you know that was the biggest challenge for me and i reached out to him and i said hey listen i'm a big fan of your music i have a horror movie coming out i'd really be honored if you you know were on it and they said yeah absolutely we'll do it and so you know that was that was kind of like the pivotal moment for me that i said okay this this has the potential to be a really big anticipated soundtrack and so you know like you said i've, I've got bands from europe bands from the united states i have uh, a band from australia calvath which uh, they were, yeah, they were super, you know, honored and stuff. And, and, and I told, uh, the lead singer, Sorcha, I said, listen, you, you guys are awesome. You guys deserve to be on this bill. So, That's you know, fantastic. It, yeah, it's really awesome. It is. <laughs> <laughs> we love a little bit of local representation. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, are there any favorites amongst the artists involved? I guess that would be Torso Fuck. Torso Fuck, definitely. Yep. Yep. Uh, Torso Fuck and, and I'd probably say um, Amenorrhea. That's that's actually my best friend's band. and I, I love Amenorrhea because all the songs are based around serial killers. So. Yeah, they're very cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> On films in general, is there anything about the filming process that has been a surprise to you or that you're expecting to be different? Yeah, I, I, I honestly, you know... I, I can honestly say I've had one bad experience on a film set and it was on the Forest Hills. I'm going to be 100% honest, Forest Hills was a shit show. It was a complete and total shit show and I think that the the biggest surprise for me was that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of actors and actresses will, will you know, kind of tell you these horror stories about productions and directors being, you know, unreasonable and cast and crew being, you know, annoyed at each other. And I've only experienced that one time on Forest Hills, but every other film set I've been on, it's been great. Everyone's gotten along, everyone's just vibed, and it's been awesome. But I think overall, I just expected things to be more tumultuous than they really are. Yeah. So. 
Where yeah. did you actually watch the the Forest Hills as well? I went searching for it and it sounded like it was kind of stuck in limbo. <laughs> it's stuck in limbo. I'm not going to lie to you. It is stuck in limbo. They're still trying to get the whole distribution process, you know, like ironed out. It's been, there are memes going around now about it. Uh, actually, yesterday was marked officially a year from when they first started filming. So I cannot comment more on the shit show that it's <laughs> That's become. Okay. But uh, all I can say is, is supposedly it's supposed to come out sometime next month. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll keep an eye out. How are you finding the balance of your day job continuing to write, create art, and of course working on the films? Because you're doing a lot. I don't know. This is a question that I honestly ask myself every day. I have no idea. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It is, it is so stressful because, you know, Publix, the supermarket that I work out here in uh, Tennessee, it takes, I mean, it takes 40 hours of, you know, my week. It, that's most of the hours of my week, you know? So the only times I really get to focus on doing what I'm doing is my days off. There have been times where I have had to come home from work and then I'd have to, um, especially for Trypophobic Possession, the, the film I did with Mikhail Valerity, uh, I would come home from work, I would put on special effects makeup that would take one to two hours, I would film the scenes, I would take it all off, I'd go to bed, rinse, repeat, do it again. And it's really, 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 really hard. And you know, unfortunately, because I work retail, the vacation days that I do have, instead of it going towards an actual vacation, I have to put it towards filming. And I'm not complaining, but seldom do I ever really get a day off. Yeah. <laughs> so. It sounds like no special secrets of how to manage it, but just a lot of drive. A lot of drive and just a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> You need something to keep you going. Oh, God, yeah. I would say booze, but I wouldn't recommend that to your viewers. So, yeah. <laughs> Not that what we've already been discussing isn't on topic, but uh, on today's topic specifically of horror and heavy metal, if I were to ask you who is the most gory and gruesome band, who comes to mind? Ooh, that's a really <laughs> good question. In terms of just visuals? Whatever you prefer. Could be visuals, could be lyrically. It... Um... Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, I guess I could say, I mean, the first obvious choice would be Cannibal Corpse, just because, you know, even though they're a little more kind of like, you know, on the, the mainstream side of things, you know, their their lyrics and their artistry is, is always a fucking hoot. I'm I'm obsessed with it. And then I'd, I'd probably have to say Branchia, which is actually Mikhail Bolarity's, uh, it's a, it's, I don't, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's grindcore, but it's, it's kind of like a noise grind. And, um, you know, because he is a dark artist and he is a filmmaker, you know, he kind of incorporates his own work into that. So I'd say right now he's on the top for me. And if I were to name a band that everyone's heard of, I'd probably say Cannibal Corpse. But I just, I love their artwork too. I mean, it's it's so fucking fun. I've, I've <laughs> talked about them quite a few times on the podcast. Um, last month I did one on kind of censorship and things like that. Cannibal Corpse yeah. albums, music, it was all banned in Australia for about 10 years. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. So they are mainstream in terms of compared to other like gory death metal. Well, even a, even a band like Devourment, I love Devourment's kind of album covers and stuff. And I mean, they're a little more on the mainstream side, but they're still they're still obscure enough to where if you were to ask, walk down the street and say, "Hey, do you do you listen to Devourment?" They'd say, "I don't know what that is." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so even though they are mainstream, they yeah they were banned here for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really shocking to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> Why do you think that heavy metal and horror themes go so well together? Expressionism. To be honest with you, I, I think that, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, any any kid seems to, you know, that, that, that winds up going into horror seems to be really fascinated with the idea of doing something that you couldn't normally do, especially in society. You know, you, no, you cannot go around smashing people's faces in with hammers. No, you cannot go around brutalizing and stuff. And I think that I, w I mean, I would go out on a limb and say that a lot of the reason why a lot of people in horror and metal get along so well is because it's an outlet for us to express, or for me anyway, um, different facets of humanity, you know, the, the roles of evil, the roles of susceptibility, the roles of, um, you know, just sheer terror. And, and I think that with 
metal musicians, it's a way for them to kind of divulge that that inner child, the the inner child that you know we grew up. We watched Hellraiser, we watched you know Nightmare on Elm Street, and and it's our way to kind of be a part of a genre that really introduces so much creativity. And it, it's it's just it's misunderstood immensely. I mean, it's it's fiction, and and it's it's a form of art just like anything else, and you can take it or leave it. But at our core, I think we're just kids that really wanted to do something big when we grew up. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah. So before we finish up, where can people find you and how can they support you? Um, okay, I have a website. I need to update my website. It's been a long time since I've updated it, but my website is, it's quite literally my name. It's uh, officialcorydncowley.com. That's my website. That's where my IMDb is. You can also find me on IMDb. Just type in my name. Um, I would say the, the, the most popular way to find me is where everyone finds me is on instagram which my instagram is folium discognitum 2 it is f-o-l-i-u-m-d-i-s-c-o-g-n-i-t-u-m number two i'll also add a couple of links in my link tree so that listeners can find you i'll put your website in the recommended creators section and in my fundraising section i'll share the indiegogo for all wounds scream at once that way um, people can jump on and find it for my listeners, my link tree is in the episode description or on social media pages. And the last question for today, prior to our interview, I told you that you could pick a song, any song, as long as it's on Spotify for me to add to today's episode. Did you pick a song? I did pick a song. What did you pick? Okay. I actually picked two songs. Okay. okay. Can I pick two songs? We can, we can work okay. with that. Okay. So the first song I picked was uh, by Sanguisugabog which uh, the song is called Dead as Shit. <laughs> and then the second song I picked is uh, by Torso Fuck, and the name of the song is Necro Pervert. I've always said it as Sanguizgabog. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I figure, it, it, does it matter how I say it if you can't even read, lo- like they've got the, the best logo ever, the, as in the worst logo, best logo <laughs> I mean, it's 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 like someone took a death metal logo and then it just kind of got like a lazy eye. It just kind of fell. <laughs> Their merch is the best as well. That um, that one with the lemur, with the I like to move oh. it, move it. It's ridiculous. I love it. I it's funny too because Bulma, who is a grindcore band here in the United States, their 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 merch is actually quite hilarious too. So if you're if your uh, listeners are huge into grindcore, Bulma actually has some really great merch. Awesome. <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to add or you wanted to talk about specifically while I've got you here? Well, I mean, in all sincerity, I am very honored that you decided to pick me as your first guest for Sin and Steel. I'm I'm really touched. I've loved you for a long time. I'm glad that I finally got to see you face to face and put a face on a name. And I just adore you. So besides that, um, if anybody wants to just support, you know, weird, creepy shit that has some intense realism to it, I'm I'm always happy to, you know, speak with everybody. I, I think you can attest. I, I'm I talk to everybody. I'm not I'm not a conceited asshole. I'm not some mega celebrity. I'm just a weird little fuck that likes to make friends. So um <laughs> Yeah, never feel, nobody, never, never feel awkward to talk to me. I like talking to people and yeah, just check out my films. And if you want to support All Wounds Scream at Once on Indiegogo, please feel free to. Thank you so much. With my podcast, like I said, I generally do, it's scripted. It's just me. I don't have to worry about, you know, the the brain farts and the... (laughs) the stumbling over (laughs) words and things that happen um yeah so so originally I wasn't sure whether I would do any interviews but coming up to this one and being horror and heavy metal I was like I have to ask I have to ask Corey um so I really appreciate it and to have you say yes and and join me for my first interview yeah really really good I really appreciate it Uh, you honor me you honor me darling thank you thank you for asking me of course I was gonna say yes (laughs) (laughs) thank you again um I better head to work rape and things and so it's gonna be really extreme quite the juxtaposition of the two then yeah night and day (laughs) (laughs) Um, how did you get involved in that one in particular so the director of that one David Williams uh I met him on Facebook actually and um on through my business page we we met he's a he's a film director in buffalo new york and he had emailed me 
last year and you know was like listen I'm, I'm looking to do a movie here in buffalo it's going to be an experimental film you know oh no no is the name of the movie n-u-l-l with brackets around it and so Noel is actually very much experimental it's all it was all filmed on uh snorri cams point of view cameras and stuff um that one has been pushed on the back burner a little bit though just because we're trying to focus on all wound screen at once and so uh, after we completed Noel, David reached out to me and he said, hey, would you be interested in doing a second film? You know, we're on a hot streak. And I said, absolutely. So um, I, I, I made a joke with him and I said, you know, I feel like you and I are the Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman of horror. <laughs> That's fantastic. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is going croaky. Good comparison, though. Um, yeah. Exactly. You did mention the soundtrack of All Wounds Scream at once. So you've done a lot of work trying to uh, make sure that you've got extreme metal from all around the world to complement the extreme nature of the film. Um, how did yeah. you go about selecting the tracks that have made it to the soundtrack? Um, you know, I know a lot of the bands. Uh, I've listened to a lot of the bands. I, I know a, a few of the band members just from mutuals and from you know meeting them in person and things like that. And so um, I think the biggest challenge for me was uh, I really wanted to get Torso Fuck on this, and if your viewers aren't familiar with Torso Fuck, they are a Finnish gore grind death metal band, and their samples are out of this world insane, and their sound is just so fucking heavy and aggressive, and so they're Finnish, and you know, that was the biggest challenge for me, and I reached out to him and I said, hey listen, I'm a big fan of your music, I have a horror movie coming out, I'd really be honored if you you know, we're on it. And they said, yeah, absolutely, we'll do it. And so, you know, that was that was kind of like the pivotal moment for me that I said, okay, this, this has the potential to be a really big anticipated soundtrack. And so, you know, like you said, I've, I've got bands from Europe, bands from the United States. I have uh, a band from Australia, Calvath, which uh, they were, yeah, they were super, you know, honored and stuff. And, and, and I told uh, the lead singer, Sorcha, I said, listen, you, you guys are awesome. You guys deserve to be on this bill, so. That's you know, fantastic. It, yeah, it's really awesome. It is. <laughs> <laughs> we love a little bit of local representation. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, are there any favorites amongst the artists involved? I guess that would be Torso Fuck. Torso Fuck, definitely. Yep. Yep. Uh, Torso Fuck and, and I'd probably say um, Amenorrhea. That's that's actually my best friend's band. and I, I love Amenorrhea because all the songs are based around serial killers. So. Yeah, they're very cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> On films in general, is there anything about the filming process that has been a surprise to you or that you're expecting to be different? Yeah, I, I, I honestly, you know... I, I can honestly say I've had one bad experience on a film set and it was on the Forest Hills. I'm going to be 100% honest, Forest Hills was a shit show. It was a complete and total shit show and I think that the the biggest surprise for me was that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of actors and actresses will, will you know, kind of tell you these horror stories about productions and directors being, you know, unreasonable and cast and crew being, you know, annoyed at each other. And I've only experienced that one time on Forest Hills, but every other film set I've been on, it's been great. Everyone's gotten along, everyone's just vibed, and it's been awesome. But I think overall, I just expected things to be more tumultuous than they really are. Yeah. So. <laughs> Where <laughs> yeah. can you actually watch the, the Forest Hills as well? I went searching for it, and it sounded like it was kind of stuck in limbo. <laughs> it's stuck in limbo. I'm not going to lie to you. It is stuck in limbo. They're still trying to get the whole distribution process, you know, like ironed out. It's been, there are memes going around now about it. Uh, actually, yesterday was marked officially a year from when they first started filming. So I cannot comment more on the shit show that it's <laughs> That's become. Okay. But uh, all I can say is, is supposedly it's supposed to come out sometime next month. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll keep an eye out. How are you finding the balance of your day job continuing to write, create art, and of course, working on the films? Because you're doing a lot. I don't know. This is a question that I honestly ask myself every day. I have no idea. I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. It is, it is so stressful because, you know, Publix, the supermarket that I work out here in uh, Tennessee, it takes, I mean, it takes 40 hours of, you know, my week, that's, most of the hours of my week, you know, so the only times I really get to focus on doing what I'm doing is my days off. There have been times where I have had to come home from work and then I'd have to, um, especially for Trypophobic Possession, the, the film I did with Mikhail Valerity, uh, I would come home from work, I would put on special effects makeup that would take one to two hours, I would film the scenes, I would take it all off, I'd go to bed, rinse, repeat, do it again. 
And it's really, 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 really hard. And, you know, unfortunately, because I work retail, the vacation days that I do have, instead of it going towards an actual vacation, I have to put it towards filming. And I'm not complaining, but seldom do I ever really get a day off. It sounds like no special secrets of how to manage it, but just a lot of drive. A lot of drive and just a lot of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) You need something to keep you going. Oh, God, yeah. I would say booze, but I wouldn't recommend that to your viewers. (laughs) (laughs) Not that what we've already been discussing isn't on topic, but uh, on today's topic specifically of horror and heavy metal, if I were to ask you who is the most gory and gruesome band, who comes to mind? Ooh, that's a really good question. In terms of just visuals? Whatever you prefer. It could be visuals, could be lyrically. Um, ooh, that's a tough one. You know, I guess I could say, I mean, the first obvious choice would be Cannibal Corpse. Just because, you know, even though they're a little more kind of like, you know, on the, the mainstream side of things, you know, their their lyrics and their artistry is, is always a fucking hoot. I'm a, I'm obsessed with it. And then I'd, I'd probably have to say Bronchia, which is actually Mikhail Bilardi's, uh It's a it's I don't I don't know. I wouldn't say it's grindcore, but it's it's kind of like a noise grind. And, um, you know, because he is a dark artist and he is a filmmaker, you know, he kind of incorporates his own work into that so i'd say right now he's on the top for me and if i were to name a band that everyone's heard of i'd probably say cannibal corpse but i just i love their artwork too i mean it's it's so fucking fun i've i've (laughs) talked about them quite a few times on the podcast um last month i did one on kind of censorship and things like that cannibal corpse albums music it was all banned in australia for about 10 years are you serious? <laughs> yeah. So they are mainstream in terms of compared to other like gory death metal. Uh, well, even a, even a band like Devourment, I love Devourment's kind of album covers and stuff. And I mean, they're a little more on the mainstream side, but they're still they're still obscure enough to where if you were to ask, walk down the street and say, "Hey, do you do you listen to Devourment?" They'd say, "I don't know what that is." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so even though they are mainstream, they yeah they were banned here for a long time. Yeah, that's that's really <laughs> shocking to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> Why do you think that heavy metal and horror themes go so well together? Expressionism. To be honest with you, I, I think that, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, any any kid seems to, you know, that, that, that winds up going into horror seems to be really fascinated with the idea of doing something that you couldn't normally do especially in society you know you know you cannot go around smashing people's faces in with hammers no you cannot go around brutalizing and stuff and i think that i would i mean i would go out on a limb and say that a lot of the reason why a lot of people in horror and metal get along so well is because it's an outlet for us to express or for me anyway um different facets of humanity you know the the roles of evil the roles of susceptibility the roles of um you know just sheer terror and and i think that with metal musicians it's a way for them to kind of divulge that that inner child the the inner child that you know we grew up we watched hellraiser we watched you know nightmare on elm street and and it's our way to kind of be a part of a genre that really introduces so much creativity and it, it's it's just it's misunderstood immensely i mean it's yeah. it's fiction and and it's it's a form of art just like anything else and you can take it or leave it but at our core i think we're just kids that really wanted to do something big when we grew up <laughs> that's fair <laughs> yeah so before we finish up where can people find you and how can they support you um, okay, I have a website. I need to update my website. It's been a long time since I've updated it, but my website is, it's quite literally my name. It's uh, officialcoreydncowley.com. That's my website. That's where my IMDB is. You can also find me on IMDB. Just type in my name. Um, I would say the, the, the most popular way to find me is where everyone finds me is on Instagram, which my Instagram is foliumdiscognitum2. It is F O L. I-U-M-D-I-S-C-O-G-N-I-T-U-M number two. I'll also add a couple of links in my link tree so that listeners can find you. I'll put your website in the recommended creators section and in my fundraising section, I'll share the Indiegogo for All Wounds Scream at once. That way um, people can jump on and find it. For my listeners, my link tree is in the episode description or on social media pages. And the last question for today, 
Prior to our interview, I told you that you could pick a song, any song, as long as it's on Spotify, for me to add to today's episode. Did you pick a song? I did pick a song. What did you pick? Okay, I actually picked two songs. Okay. okay. Can I pick two songs? We can, we can work okay. with that. Okay. So the first song I picked was uh, by Sanguisugabog, which uh, the song is called Dead as Shit. <laughs> and then the second song I picked is uh, by Torso Fuck, and the name of the song is Necro Pervert. I've always said it as Sanguisugabog. <laughs> <laughs> but i figure it does it matter how i say it if you can't even read like they've got the the best logo ever the as in the worst logo best logo i mean it's 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 like someone took a death metal logo and then it just kind of got like a lazy eye it just kind of fell <laughs> their merch is the best as well that um that one with the lima with the i like to move oh. it move it it's ridiculous. I love it. I, it's funny too because Bulma, who is a grindcore band here in the United States, their 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 merch is actually quite hilarious too. So if you're if your uh, listeners are huge into grindcore, Bulma actually has some really great merch. Awesome. <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to add or you wanted to talk about specifically while I've got you here? Well, I mean, in all sincerity, I am very honored that you decided to pick me as your first guest for Sin and Steel. I'm, I'm really touched. I've loved you for a long time. I'm glad that I finally got to see you face to face and put a face on a name. And I just adore you. So besides that, um, if anybody wants to just support, you know, weird, creepy shit that has some intense realism to it, I'm I'm always happy to you know speak with everybody. I, I think you can attest. I, I'm I talk to everybody. I'm not I'm not a conceited asshole. I'm not some mega celebrity. I'm just a weird little fuck that likes to make friends. So um, <laughs> yeah, never feel nobody never never feel awkward to talk to me. I like talking to people and yeah, just check out my films. And if you want to support All Wounds Scream at Once on Indiegogo, please feel free to. Thank you so much. With my podcast, like I said, I generally do it's scripted it's just me i don't have to worry about you know the the brain farts and the the stumbling over <laughs> words and things that happen um yeah so so originally i wasn't sure whether i would do any interviews but coming up to this one and being horror and heavy metal i was like i have to ask i have to ask Corey. um so i really appreciate it and to have you say yes and, and join me for my first interview yeah really really good i really appreciate it oh. Uh, you honor me. You honor me, darling. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Of course I was going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. Um, I better head to work. I learned a lot from my first interview, including that I shouldn't cover both ears with headphones because apparently I can't speak properly when I can't hear myself. That when I focus so hard on not interrupting or making noise while the guest is talking... I seem to lose the ability to respond with anything other than, that's fantastic. <laughs> and that when all else fails, laughing is perfectly fine. Honestly though, while I have a lot of room for improvement, Corey was an incredible first guest and I am super appreciative that she blessed us with her presence on this episode. Please make sure you give her a follow on her socials and check out some of her work. That was Halloween with Dr. Stein, which of course is based on the Frankenstein novel. I'm not jumping into new releases and whatnot today just because I was a bit short on time, but I will be including them in the next one. I'd love to know, why do you think heavy metal and horror go so well together? And do you have a favorite heavy metal crossover horror movie? Let me know on social media or through email at sinandsteel@outlook.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to and share the podcast and make sure to follow Sin and Steel on social media. Check out my link tree to access playlists, including songs from the episode, to find links to Corey Cowley's pages and to be directed to the Sin and Steel Redbubble store for merchandise featuring artwork designed by me. Thank you for listening to episode 13 of Sin and Steel, Better in the Dark. I'm your host, Sarah Tonin, and Sinners... Until next time, stay fucking metal, man. 